So um, before we get to the questions, and thanks to everyone for tuning in so far, um, I just wanted to make one opening preamble based off of some conversation I saw um, after the podcast I did with the Buckets guys in Vegas. And it's it's something that um, I've, I've, I've tweeted about in passing previously and something I see all the time in, in the online conversation um, about reporting in general, but especially in the NBA. Um, and, you know, as we've talked about on Colin previously with, I believe, our guy Charlie Saturday, regular callers asked in the past, we talked about it with Andy Larson when he was here. Like, I, I do fully believe, you know, as a, as a journalist, as someone who went, to, who went to school to practice his profession, like, by the book, I do 100% believe that fans and any news consumer should or, or would benefit themselves from trying to deduce where a particular story could be coming from. However, that does not mean that, that every story and every anonymous source report is being leaked. A leak is something where a person or people involved in a situation specifically goes to a member of the media and says, this is what I have. Sometimes they even go as far as saying, I want you to write this. And as I've been on record here saying before, and I said on other programs, like that is not how I conduct business. You know, there are definitely people who reach out to me and provide me with tips and information and say, you know, for your next column, this would be a valuable thing for you to include or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But a, a leak is when someone directly says, I have this information and it would benefit our side of things. We put that out publicly and all detail because I feel like we've got an arrangement and you're going to put this information out there in a way that will benefit myself. So when I said on the buckets podcast that I don't get leaked shit, what I mean by that is when I report something pretty typically, and I've talked about plenty of time here, like my process is talking to as many people in the league as I can on a regular basis. And when it comes down to actually talk or write on a subject matter, that is pressing and important to the public um, opinion or the public news cycle or attention, what have you. Now, then I get in touch with as many principal primary sources as I can to try to bring as accurate info as possible. So to say, so for people to misinterpret that not being leaked things means that I'm not speaking to people involved in the league or that uh, you're just not talking to people involved in things like, a lot of the stories that come out, not, I don't want to put a number on it, but a good amount of the stories that you read from reporters around the NBA, around other sports and other situations in the news media, the info is not coming from a leak. It's coming from a reporter doing their job and finding out relevant information that consumers of that particular subject matter deserve to know or benefit from knowing. That's all I wanted to say stupid uh get off my lawn rant but I, I do i i wanted to say something because you know the the uh, the intricacies of journalism and reporting are something that 
gets misconstrued a lot in public, but also I find it day to day in my calls with people on the league where, you know, a lot of people don't know the difference between off the record and on backgrounds or, um, you know, uh, uh, just the, the, the intricacies of the job where like if something is off the record, for example, that literally means the reporter cannot use it from that person. Um, but if something's on background, that means it, the information is fair game, but you're not allowed or, or it's agreed upon that you're not allowed to cite specifically where that information came from, which leads to a lot of the anonymous sourcing you have in the league and elsewhere. I'm happy to talk about this more if I haven't explained this well. This is all I just wanted to say. I'm ready to get to the questions. We're bringing on ice. We got 200 people in the room. Let's keep it building. How are we doing, ice? I'm doing well, Jake. How are you doing? Can't complain. What's going on? All right. So, hello. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'll try to get to my John Collins update. I bet there probably isn't one because it's freaking John Collins. But you put out there today that DeAndre Hunter and the Hawks are kind of like twenty million off on contract negotiations. We a lot of us Hawks fans think that that Keldon Johnson deal is probably like a good barometer for what. Hunter should get considering his injury history. Do you kind of see that? Like, I imagine he's probably rejecting that kind of offer. Do you kind of see that a deal will get done before the start of the season? Or do you imagine that he's going to bet on himself? And then of course, if you have a John Collins update, happy, (laughs) happy to hear. I don't have a John Collins update. I will say that um, to start. Um, I think with Hunter, I mean, all I really, can say right now or feel comfortable saying um, is what I wrote in that uh, from my understanding they, they are roughly 20 million apart and what, what they're looking for over the course of a four-year deal um, you would think Keldon Johnson's deal is exactly what um, something like that is what Hunter's people would be would be looking at yeah so um, glean from that what you will but that's really all I, I feel comfortable saying at the moment to, to see if they're going to make something happen. I mean, it's certainly possible, but I mean, the last time Atlanta was in a situation like this with John Collins, they played it out. So, I mean, I, I just, at this point, I'll be curious. I, I don't know what's going to need to happen or, or which side will, will be more acquiescing uh, to get things closer there. But for now, um, it does seem like there's a pretty big, there's a pretty large gap they're going to have to close before October, but there's a long time until October, so we'll have to see. Appreciate it, as always. You got it. All right, we're going to go to Ethan. Ethan, how we doing? Can you Ethan, hear me? do I have you? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, thanks for having me on. You mentioned you got the, it. Uh, Bible in your piece today. Uh, and that, like, we were shopping him, like we were shopping him a little bit. Like, I know that we have like 16 players on the roster right now. If you include James Harden, which is one more they were allowed to, you know, have when the season starts. Do you know if we're like thinking about any like two for one, three for one deals that could kind of either move Matisse or someone else out to consolidate roster spots? Don't know anything specific on what the Sixers are trying to do to like consolidate roster spots. I mean, I, I still think that from now until training camp and honestly through the trade deadline the Sixers are going to be like Daryl Moore is one of the executives in the league who looks at his roster building as not something that just happens in the offseason it's something used to progress throughout the year from now until the deadline they're going to be looking to upgrade on the wing um, and to really continue to add more more veteran talent 
that can help them win now. I mean, all of James Harden's public comments that he's given to Yahoo and things I've heard behind the scenes and written about for months, like it's all suggested and strongly indicated. Like all these guys involved in Philly from ownership to Doc to Daryl to Joel and James, like they're trying to win the title. So they're going to continue to look for ways to, whether it's moving Matisse before this extension uh, kicks in or, or, you know, figuring it out uh, or, you know, Tobias is always going to be involved in trade talk um, until, you know, he's really not. That's just, he's just on one of those contracts, right? And he is still that good of a player, even if his, his salary might be a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know, ballooned up, if you will. Um, but I, I can't, I can't say I've heard anything specific right now. It's, it's honestly, the league trade talk has gotten very, very, very quiet as we mm-hmm. kind of wait out what happens with Kevin Durant and, uh, and Donovan Mitchell. Makes total sense. Thanks, Jake. You got it, Ethan. Um, we're going to Zach. Zach, what's going on? Can you hear me? Yeah, you got me. Yes, I hear you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. I've uh, really it. appreciated your your reporting recently. So uh, keep it up. Keep up the good work. I really appreciate it. Um, Thank you, man. Of course. Uh, as a diehard Heat fan, and I'm not sure you're probably tired of talking about the. <laughs> the big ones at this point, Donovan Mitchell and KD. Um, is there any silver lining with the Heat's negotiations that you've been hearing as far as their talks with Donovan, or for Donovan or for Durant? What do you mean by silver lining? Like, it seems like uh, New York's in the driver's seat on Donovan. Uh, things have been a little bit quiet on Durant, so he may be, you know, heading back to Brooklyn. Um, is there anything that you, you know, have heard that might be a positive uh, on Miami's <laughs> side? Um, to be honest, and and this is me more giving like my opinion on what I've heard. Like, I'd be surprised if, if Miami does pull out a deal for one of those two guys. Um, they just, I mean, they're clearly behind New York in terms of the overall asset collection they can offer for Donovan. And with Kevin Durant, I mean, I just, from my conversations with people around the situation, like, I just don't see Brooklyn having any real interest in any Miami package that doesn't bring back Bam out of bio. So and that would also obviously indicate all the other designated rookie stuff with Ben Simmons. Um, so if you're looking for a positive, I mean, it's that no matter what happens, they're still going to be the reigning, you know, number one record in the regular season from the East. They're going to bring back a unit. Hopefully Kyle Lowry's healthy again and, all, all this stuff that kept him off off the floor for a while will, you know, kind of be mitigated. And Hero's healthy. Maybe he gets a year, uh, you know, a year better and, and improved. And you've got Gabe Vincent and Max Struess in contract years, and they're going to be want to, you know, ball out to get paid. Like that's, I guess, the the silver lining that no matter what happens, the Heat are still going to be in a good position, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm thinking to get over that hump. You know, they need that other that other score, but uh, maybe not looking so likely this offseason. Yeah, it's just l- literally the Nets and the Jazz are looking for historic, historic hauls for both those guys. And, you know, I was even talking when I was making calls yesterday for the story today. Um, I was talking to a cap guy and he said, you know, the Heat, the heat are always creative and they're always going to find ways to do things. And when they you know, traded Kaziak Pilot to OKC and swapped the uh, the protections to to free up another pick. Like, 
everyone in the league was bracing for a big Miami move, and I think they have four first-round picks right now. They're capable of moving, but just like a Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, four first-round picks package just isn't going to meet the asking price right now for Don Mitchell and Kevin Durant. That's why I mean I do think you know the, the Heat have the Heat have said to. <clears throat> people behind the scenes that they're not looking to move Gabe Vincent and Max Schroes to get other picks to try to up the pick, the pick bounty to compete with New York. But I don't really see any other way they could get those guys. Um, so it's just, I don't know. It seems very complicated and unlikely to me that they'll be able to outbid New York for Donovan. And I don't think they'll be able to really put together a package that, that really gets the Nets attention either. Got you. All right. I appreciate the time. You got it, Zach. Um, we are going to go to Tom. Tom, how we doing? Tom, DJ Khaled icon, you were on mute. Tom, are you there? All right, Tom, we're going to have to go to Kyle, but Tom, hop back in the queue if you want. Kyle, what's going on, my man? Uh, hanging in there, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. It's a beautiful day here. I'm in Denver. Fly back east in a couple hours. No, no complaints. What's going on? Well, you know, I've been paying attention to all this stuff on, you know, obviously Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell, but, you know, there seems to be a, a lot of pieces that, like these, uh, you know, the, a lot of the f- remaining free agents and uh, other players that are basically just sitting back and they're having to wait to see what happens with these other trades before they can uh, possibly get on other teams and stuff or get, get a contract. Have you heard anything on some of these other, uh, you know, remaining free agents and stuff and what's going on with them? Um, sort of an oddball question, but. Yeah, no, you're good. I, I asked someone yesterday about Colin Sexton, um, and I was told there was nothing new to report there. So, um, you know, there's only, there's only two teams really left with, with legitimate cap space in Indy and San Antonio. I believe the Pacers, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe the Pacers and the Spurs both would prefer to use their space as contract dumping grounds to take on future cap picks. That, that's or future draft picks. That's what I've been told is, is the preferred options there rather than, uh, I mean, look at what the Spurs did taking back, you know, Gallo's deal, right, in that DeJounte trade. Right, right. So I think that's ultimately what those, you know, teams are, are, are hoping to do. I, I mean, if the Pacers really wanted to go throw an offer sheet at Colin Sexton, like, they probably would have done that already, right? Um, Absolutely. So from other, you know, the other guys, like, Know, the big men on the market, like the Dwights and the Demarcuses out there. I mean, like Jordan Nawara, I'm sure would like to go to Milwaukee, and they'll try to figure that out. I know they just put out the Serge Ibaka stuff, like stuff like that. You know, it's it's all happening and being discussed. Um, you know, there's definitely two way spots being. You know, obviously, maybe not obviously, but Toronto just locked up Jeff Doughton uh, to their two way deal and. The Warriors are figuring out some things. I know Mac McClung was was you know someone that a lot of people that really liked during summer league, and they almost offered him a two way deal last year. So those types of things are definitely being talked about behind the scenes right now. Um, but 
yeah, in terms of like the big impact guys, like there just isn't much space left out there. And honestly, I think part of why the free agent cycles haven't been as big of late is because of all the rookie extensions that have been happening. Um, like we talked about today at Bleach Report, where now you know right. a third of a third of the first round picks, and usually most of those guys are the guys who actually are, you know, worth a team throwing an offer sheet at. You know, they're already locked up, so that already limits the pool for you know the next free agency. And uh, I, I I don't really see anything you know significant happening anytime soon here. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, Jake. You got it, Kyle. Thanks as always for calling in. Hey, thank you. All right, James. Hello, how are you doing, Jake? I uh, appreciate you holding this space, and I uh, really appreciate your work over the last couple. Like, I, think, I mean, I feel like I've seen you around for so long, like a year or two already, and I really appreciate like your work, and I feel like you know, you're really up and coming now, and it's nice to see you uh, hitting on a lot of your um, takes. I know some write a lot, and I, I feel like you're, you've done a lot of uh, a lot of rules. So um, I try to, from a Knicks perspective, um, do you think the uh, Knicks are trying to really focus on how the Estepian rule can really hard cap their situation in the future? And they're trying to probably hold on to some of their picks so they can not only land Mitchell, but hopefully look to add another star in the future. Because, uh, I mean, I know I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but, you know, you don't want to max out all your future assets and then you have nothing to uh, build with after that. I mean that's not getting your head itself ahead of yourself. That's that's how teams operate too, right? Like, I mean, I've said it time and again on on this program, but I feel like it's so important to look at you know these extension talks right now and guys coming up. You know, Miles Turner, for example, coming up and becoming a free agent next year. Jeremy Grant becoming a free agent next year is a big reason why he got traded already, right? Like planning things out a year, two years in advance is exactly what teams are doing. So, and, and that does play a factor in, in current present day negotiations. So that's not you know, an unreasonable thought at all. I think that's exactly where your head should be going. And to answer your question, you know, Brock Aller in the Knicks front office is one of the more draft pick conscious, you know, trying to extract value on the pick side of things, executives in the league, from my understanding. Um, like they've backed out of a couple of deals, you know that that three team deal with Toronto and the Lakers that was being discussed at, at the trade deadline, you know for not getting enough picks here and there, and people, may, you know him and Sam Hinkie trying to extract as many second round picks as possible, um in, in every trade, but like, I mean, big reason why the Knicks were able to make that Jalen Duran thing happen with Detroit is because they had four second rounders to send to Charlotte, so I'm sure the Knicks were trying to figure out the best way possible to satisfy the Jazz's asking price of, of, of draft picks while still maintaining flexibility to be able to, to have some more to move. And look, they're still going to have, I believe they have 11 first round picks in the next seven drafts, but they're, they're only eligible to trade a maximum of eight. So even if they gave Utah eight picks for Donovan, which again, we're not reporting that, but we're just speaking in hypothetical here. Even if they did that, they would still have three more picks um, that they could use later down the line in trades, but also that they'd be hamstrung by stepping rules, like you said, until you know time came about, just like how you know, the Lakers, for example, were only able to move their 2027 first during the season, but now they have access to their 2029 pick as well. I'm sure that the Knicks are trying to figure out as you know advantageous a package for themselves that they can send to Donovan while also getting him for sure. That's, that's definitely being discussed. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. And I, I just want to say one more thing. I, I think the media is really trying to make it like the Knicks just have to do this move and, you know, have to maybe give up eight in, in total. And I think that's this ridiculous because uh, they can build this thing slowly. And I don't think there's any rush because, you know, the Lakers did that and they won a champ. So, you know, it's okay if now this flops and, you know, they win nothing for the future because they already, you know, they won a championship. So I think that that deal worked out with Anthony Davis, even though they're, they're now hamstrung. Uh, and the Knicks, I don't think Mitchell would take them to that to that uh, elevation. So I think they have to really be smart about this and not just, you know, give Danny Ainge everything he wants. Because uh, even though you have three picks, you know, what, after trading those eight, they're still, like what you said with the Stepien rule. So, um, yeah, they I think they just have to be smart and not let, you know, I don't think they're going to let the media um, really make them feel like they need to do this because I don't I don't think people have been paying attention enough to to the Knicks and how they've been working the last few years. They've actually been pretty patient. Uh, so I don't think they're so desperate like everyone's trying to make it out to be. Um, I, see, I hear your point, and I, I would say, yeah, I don't think the Knicks are necessarily desperate, but, I mean, the pressure is on. Like, Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau, I mean, Leon brought on Tom, but – when they got when that regime got hired by James Dolan in, in New York, it was 2019, 2020. I forget exactly, but this is the second year, right? And like they had a great first year, they made the playoffs, coach of the year. Randall's Randall's the guy, blah blah blah. Last year was a year from hell, and they go out and they make this flurgy signing with with Brunson, and like they promised, but Brunson's not the super, the superstar, all-star caliber player that they promised ownership their ability to be able to go get done. So if they make it through three years, and let's say, I mean, for the Knicks to even make the play-in tournament next year, they're going to have to at least beat out Charlotte, Atlanta, Cleveland, one of those teams. We'll see what happens at Brooklyn. But I'm working on the assumption that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are back right now, like we've been saying here for a bit, until they're they're not. So... That's even a tall tat. Like, are the Knicks with, without Brunson, without Mitchell, are the Knicks better than any of Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, um, Chicago, uh, you know, Boston, down the list? Like, it's going to be difficult. So, when you're already looking at years ahead and, and planning out your strategy, like, part of that strategy is, will I even be here, right? So, I do think that's part of the equation, too. I'm not saying that's the driving factor, and everyone in New York's fearing for their jobs. But, like, if Jalen Brunson's just who they bring and they end up, you know, being in the bottom half of the playoff picture or even, you know, just fighting to make the play-in tournament, that's not going to be satisfactory either. Yeah, I mean, I see your point that it wouldn't be satisfactory, but, you know, we still have the draft picks to make the move next year. Uh, so, I mean, but, I, you know, I definitely want they might to not, get the They might trade. not. The people in power right now might not be there to make that move, though, you know? You're, no, you're right because you know. I mean, the Knicks haven't really had an executive last for you know over three years, or a coach, let alone last for three years. So it's surprising to see, um, you know, they're keeping faith in Tibbs, even though the fan base wanted to probably kill him last year. But uh, yeah, thank you for all your um, answers, and I, I appreciate your time. You got it, man. Um, Samir, before I get to you, I want to hit the comments really quickly. Um, we definitely encourage. Uh, audio questions but i like to hit the comments when i can um from raps fan are you working on your next book if so when will it be out i got a couple projects in the works um thank you for asking raps fan i will hopefully be able to make some announcements about those soon um 
it's one project right now that I'm very close to finishing, um, that I'm pretty excited about, that I'm hoping to be able to announce before the start of next season. But for, for the rest of that stuff, uh, stay tuned. But I appreciate the question. Uh, latest Kyrie rumors, I got nothing new from uh, some dude who exists and Jmurf31. Both want um, both want to know about Kyrie. And, look, the Lakers and Kyrie thing, like I've been saying all along, it's just not going to happen in a two-team deal. And I'm still struggling to, to see a situation. I know the Russ-Utah stuff has kind of picked up ever since I mentioned that last week. Um, like, even in that hypothetical scenario, if Russ goes to Utah for two picks, like, are the Lakers going to get enough back to satisfy them while also sending enough back to – uh, to Brooklyn, like I, I just, I just don't see it happening. I, I really don't. I really do think Kyrie at this point in time. I mean, it's like if you're putting Vegas odds for it, he is the overwhelming favorite for his place to be playing um, next year is Brooklyn to me. I don't. I, I think he definitely wants to go to LA, and I'd be surprised if you know if he does go back to Brooklyn and he plays the whole year out and he's a free agent. If that if that doesn't if that's not a perfect season and everyone's happy in Brooklyn and they're all going back. I'd be surprised if he doesn't, you know, still prefer LA and free agency next summer. But at this point, it just doesn't seem likely that he's going to be a Laker this season. Um, Nick three, Heat is saying that he only have two first available to trade right now. Um, I had to look it up, but the last I heard from someone yesterday is that they had four. Um, so, or maybe they had pick protections to move. Maybe it is two. Um, I, I was told four yesterday, but Regardless, I still don't think four is enough, even if they even if they have that. So based on the asking price, I mean, you're going to need to have four or five to even get in the in the equation after what the Rudy Gobert market, after what the Rudy Gobert trade set the market as. So if you only have four first round picks, it's just that's still not going to be enough, I think, especially when the Knicks can trade eight. They're not going. The Knicks are not going to trade eight, but the Jazz are going to try to get as many of those available picks as they can. Um, Go playmaker asked if I talked about Russ being moved yet. Didn't really talk about him besides from that Kyrie question and the comments too. And look, like I really do like think that he's going to be back with the Lakers unless there is some salary dump move where the Lakers are willing to put two first round picks on the table. You know, the Buddy Heald stuff with Indy still is going to be discussed and rumored about until the situation comes to a close. You know, Eric Gordon is definitely someone that the Lakers have looked at in the past as well. I mean, the Rob Pelinka connections are there. The Utah situation does make some sense if Mitchell does get moved. I, again, those talks would be – that's all hypothetical. This is all a potential scenario if Mitchell does get to New York. But I can't see a better situation for both sides um, between the Lakers for Russ and all three sides and the Jazz – than that again, if that if that were to come to fruition, if Donovan would go to New York, and if the Lakers would be willing to put enough draft capital on the table that would get Utah's attention, um, and then that would most likely, you know, as Thad Fouché said in his, his statement to ESPN, like if Russ gets traded, he's more than likely more likely than not heading towards a buyout, um, which makes things complicated. And you know, most agents always try to avoid a buyout because unlike John Wall going to the Clippers on um, <laughs> sorry, my friend's dog just came by and knocked over my water bottle. Um, unlike John, like John Wall going to the Clippers on the mid-level is, is a rarity for guys. And, and Kemba 
going to the Knicks after being bought out from the Thunder is a rarity. Like pretty much, and, but look at Kemba. Kemba's a great example. Now Kemba's probably going to be on the minimum if and when he signs next season. So once you get bought out, you immediately change your perspective in the league. Once you become a minimum player, it's hard to get off of that. So I think that's part of the – that's an educated guess, I'll say, as to what I think is part of um, what led to that split between Westbrook and his representation. Because I know that Russ being – bought out after being moved is something that is certainly being discussed around the league. Um, and I don't think a lot of agents really want their guys to get bought out. It's, it's, it's kind of very damaging um, for their long-term prospects. Last question here before we get back to the last comment, before we get back to the questions, did Leon Rose actually promise ownership he can get a star? I didn't say that, but that was definitely the goal of why, I mean, saw saw the success of Bob Myers in Golden State. Rob Palenka went out and got LeBron, got Anthony Davis, even went and got Russ, and obviously that didn't work out as anticipated, but they got the stars that you know typically drive championships, and Lakers got one. So that was definitely the idea, bringing on a guy like Leon Rose from CAA. It was definitely a goal to be able to sign um, – you know, sign and trade for and, and keep long-term stars. And, that, and the Kevin Durant, Kyrie plan was obviously what they were hoping to do that very first free agency. Um, and it didn't work out. So, um, you know, it just, that's kind of where things stand in New York right now. Samir, how are we doing? What's going on, Jake? Not too much. How can I help? So as a Raptor fan, I just have a question. So outside of the KD situation, um, my question is about Jakob Pertl. Um, I know the Raptors were at one point were interested in him. So, do you know if the Raptors are still looking for a center? And then, from the Spurs' perspective, um, is he available for trade? And like, what would be the asking price? It's a great question. Um, you know, Jakob is definitely one of the top players that I'm monitoring for trade. Like from now, from here on till the deadline. Um, I actually thought about writing an article about that yesterday. I'm not gonna lie, um, and I. He was someone that was very uh, intriguing to a lot of teams at last year's trade deadline. You know, Chicago definitely checked on him in addition to uh, Toronto and other teams. I don't remember off the top of my head, but if you want to Google Jakob Pertl trade deadline, Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, you can find a list there. Um, and, I mean, I do think Toronto, it, it, from, from my understanding, they definitely are still interested I think, you know, look, they've been looking for big men and they, ne- they never really found their guy, right? I don't think, you know, bringing back Chris Boucher really satisfied their goal of, of looking on the big man market. So um, I think it's definitely possible that he will continue to be someone that the Raptors look at. The asking price, I mean, I think it's going to be two first-round picks. I mean, I really do. I, I think it was a first and then some at, at the trade deadline. And now that they were able to get three for DeJounte, I would have to imagine – I don't. I haven't asked anyone recently what it is, but it's going to be more than a first. So, start the ball, the ballpark is definitely two first round picks. Yeah, I think, and I think that's why like a deal hasn't been done because to me he's a perfect fit in Toronto. You know, he used to be there. Pascal Siakam's like he's one of his best friends. I think he would fit in perfectly with the Raptors. But yeah, if the asking price is around two first rounds, I think I think that's too much for the Raptors to go for. So, um, it might be. I'm not, it might be. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised it hasn't happened yet. But anyways, thanks for the for the information. You got it, Samir. We're going to our next caller. Oh, James dropped out. James is still in the queue, though. We'll come back to James. Noah, how are you doing? 
Noah, you were on mute, my friend. Hey, hey, sorry. Hey, we got you. Uh, I got a question about the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, they need a backup big really badly, and with Robert Williams' injury and Horford's age, they just let their TBE expire yesterday. Do you know anything what's going on there? If they're going to go after a free agent or make a trade for a backup big? Um, I have never heard backup big as a thing that the Celtics were looking for this offseason. Um, what I will say is, like, a lot of teams look at that position as, oh, we can just get so-and-so on the minimum. We can just get DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond, you know, fill in the blank here. So, you know, off the top of my head, I don't think – I can't think of a guy – like, Dwight doesn't make a ton of sense to me there. Um, I, I can't think of a guy off the top of my head that makes sense that's available. Um, but, I, I mean, look, the the driving point for Boston going into the offseason was to find, you know – greater help on the on the ball and and as a creator in the half court and they went out and got Malcolm Brogdon like since then to be honest I, I really don't know I really don't know what else Boston's looked into it's been it's been pretty quiet on the Celtics besides that all right thank you that was all you got it have a good one Tom Tom O'Malley hey Jake how you doing I'm doing well how are hey, you go Good. Go birds. Go birds, baby. <laughs> uh, I think the Heat can trade three first round picks. They just have one that goes out to uh, OKC in 2015 that has some light protections on it that they'd probably have to adjust if they wanted to uh, trade all three of those picks that they have. Sounds good. Yeah. So I'm interested in Durant and. Um, you know, him trying to play this out and, like, him going to Brooklyn asking for a trade. And, like, where is his end game here? Because it just seems like it's all over the place. Yeah, that's a fair question. And, look, I've been cautioned time and again by people who, who know KD, people in Brooklyn, who that, like, this is a guy who changes his mind. And I don't want to speak too much about someone um, who I haven't talked to about the situation, but... From my understanding, and and from from the Nets' perspective, at least from from my understanding, he made this request with the goal of trying to get them to Phoenix, and Miami was definitely the the second option he saw. But Phoenix was, I really think he wanted to go play with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and the Suns. Like I really think that's what it was. Um, and it just you know there hasn't there hasn't been a deal that's presented itself to Brooklyn that, 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 that really makes it worth their while to move him. And I think they're just hoping with good reason from everything I said at the start of this, that maybe he'll change his mind again. And as he comes back closer and looks around the roster, they built around him, you know, adding Royce O'Neal, bringing in TJ Warren on the minimum, um, you know, bringing back Nick Claxton. I'm sure there's other things they'll be able to do on the margins, bringing back Patty Mills, Joe Harris being healthy, Ben Simmons being healthy. They're, I think the Nets are clearly hoping that, Kevin will look around and look at that and say, you know what, this is my best chance to win right now. I might as well stick around here. So if, if it really was Phoenix or Bust and, like, he's not really showing great interest in playing, you know, in Toronto or, you know, if New Orleans really ever did or does make a legitimate, you know, if he's only saying I want to play in Phoenix or Miami and those teams aren't going to trade the farm for him at 34, being afraid of, of the potential change of heart that he could have just like he did in Brooklyn, you know, then – it really does seem to be pointing to me that he's just going to be back with the Nets, you know? 
Yeah. You think there's any way they would trade with the Knicks there? Or is there just no way that there's no there's no way they even talk that? I can't imagine it'd be even discussed, especially being that there's just nothing the Knicks would have that would get the Nets' attention either. Like the Nets don't want eight picks in RJ Barrett, like Utah really does. And again, I was speaking hyper hyperbolic. Right, right, of course. Um, because I, I realize I've written, as I've said, like RJ Barrett doesn't seem to be a, a real central piece in this Don Mitchell conversation. Um, so. Like, if the Knicks had players right now who could play alongside Ben Simmons and help win a championship, I maybe even then, but let alone the whole New York-Brooklyn rivalry and all that shit. Like, I, I, I just I, – I don't think it's even close to a possibility. Yeah, I wouldn't send them to the Knicks either, but um, that's the best package. Sometimes you just got to take the best package and, you know, be on the back page for a couple of years and not care about it. Sometimes, but I think the Nets think their best package is just holding on to KD, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. If they can talk Katie and Kyrie into coming back, and that's you at least have a chance there. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the Knicks, I'm bringing on a friend of the show, Sean G. Big Knicks fan, up and coming Knicks YouTuber. What's up, man? How you doing? Thanks, Jacob. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good. Uh, so I was just wondering uh, what the Knicks are doing when it comes to uh, trading Derrick Rose. I heard they were. Uh, I heard some rumors about it, but I'm not really sure what's going on with this right now. I know Utah wants more of the young people, so Derrick Rose would not be necessarily part of that. So I'm just wondering what's going on with that. You got it, man. Yeah, I think you know. I've heard Derrick Rose as a as a possible you know veteran player on, to be the salary matching piece between all the young players like Miles mm-hmm. O'Brien and Obi Toppin and Quentin Grimes, um, more so than Evan Fournier because, and this is probably from this is probably more from Utah's perspective, um, because the Jazz don't want long term salary, and Fournier, while it's still only two years left on the deal, Rose only has one, being that the twenty three twenty four year on his deal is a team option, so the Jazz would be able to decline that and have him be an expiring contract or they could even trade him again. I think he probably even has higher retrade value than Evan Fournier right now. I mean, Derek Rose was arguably the, the Knicks best player when he was healthy last season, right? Yeah. He's, I feel very underrated. Um, what, I mean, you're a Knicks fan, right? Like what, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to put all the pieces on the table for Donovan? Do you want them to hold Pat? What are you thinking, man? Yeah, well, I really like quickly. I feel that uh, when he gets minutes, he plays incredibly well. So I feel that a good trade would be maybe four picks, five, five picks. Not all, then not all of them unprotected, and then maybe we put in like Grimes, Obi, and maybe like McBride. What if I said? So what if I'm Danny Ainge right now, and I said there's no way to get him done without five picks, and at least three of them are unprotected. Do you do it? Um, yeah, I would do that. I would probably do, do that. that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, look, the, the Knicks have clearly been interested in Donovan Mitchell for a long time, just like mm-hmm. they were at Jalen Brunson. They've been looking for stars. And he's a New York kid. He he always goes back to the city in the offseason. He was just throwing out the first pitch at, like, the single-A Mets game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if, if this is your shot to get him, and look, if you just turn three for if you just turn the number eleven pick in this draft into three first round picks, so let's say you take three off the table and you look at this from the Knicks perspective and just say, 
it's the number 11 pick plus three or four picks for Donovan Mitchell plus a couple of the young guys. That seems like a pretty good deal to me, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. That, that's that's the way it seems like things are, are, are trending. New York's clearly in the driver's seat to get him. It's just a matter of time to see how it actually all unfolds. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, James. All right, man. Thank you. We got James. Or Ma- Is Max up? Max, are you in the queue? I'm here. What's up, How man? you doing, Jake? I'm hanging in. Yeah, I'm doing well. Can you hear me? I got you. You have me? Yeah. Um, so as you can see on my profile picture, I'm clearly a Knicks fan. Um, I know you've talked about this a lot, but um, there's a lot of rumors and different reporters reporting different things. Um, so what do you think, like, for me, for, like, a framework, I'm looking at maybe five picks, um, three of those unprotected, and then two of them protected, um, and then Grimes, McBride, um, maybe Cam or Obi, and then 40 or two um, match the salary. What are you thinking of a framework for a deal? I think if Fournier is in it, you're gonna you're gonna need more picks than if it's mm-hmm. Derek Rose. I think that's, I think that's to me what it sounds like the negotiating standpoint is is, is from Utah side of things because um, they they negotiated picks and stuff with or without Jalen McDaniel's from Minnesota. You know, um, so clearly they're putting a value yeah. on on picks versus actual you know commodified assets. Not to speak too uh, you know too coldly about these players, um, and I really do think a deal is not going to get done without. Utah's ultimate preference of the players coming back if it's not six picks. Like, that, that seems to be – like, they got five for Rudy. The Jazz believe, and I think everyone around the league also agrees, that Donovan has greater trade value being younger, being more of a you know, offensive engine um, yeah. than Rudy Gobert did. So if you're not getting six picks back, I mean, the Jazz really – they don't have to trade Donovan Mitchell, right? They could use the picks they got back from Rudy Gobert. Um, to really toss around him, just like Portland did with with uh, with Dame. So you're gonna have to knock Utah socks off. Yeah, yeah. The, you mentioned a lot of your points that he he's with him being very young. He's gonna have a strong trade value, and you're if you're gonna trade forty or Rose, there's gonna be the forty or over Rose. There's gonna have to be a stronger um value of those picks attached. Um. So. One other question. There was a report that came out yesterday with if um, if Mitchell comes to New York and um, New York's able to complete that trade successfully, there was a rumor swirling around about possibly New York looking to um, to explore trade options with Julius Randle because of the fit not being there with Mitchell. Could you elaborate on what you've heard about that a little bit? I mean, the, the Knicks have definitely – Julius Randle's names come up in trade conversations since the trade deadline, right? Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't think – you know, where New York stood rewarding him after the all-star year he had mm-hmm. compared to now, I don't think they, they're still, you know, relishing Julius Randle at that contract number, right? Um yeah, 
now I haven't heard anything about that rust situation that Mark Stein reported the other day. It's not to say it's it's wrong. I, I just personally haven't heard it. What I will say yeah. is that you know, any time I brought up rust to the Lakers or to Knicks people, they immediately shot it down, even laughed about it, right? But that was before they had Jalen Brunson, and that was definitely before they had Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell. And if you're taking on Mitchell's long-term deal after adding Jalen at a very expensive four-year deal, and Randall's already got four very expensive years up next, and you don't think Randall's an ideal fit next to those two guys, which I would imagine, the, you know, thinking about it logically from a fit standpoint, if Randall's had found his most success in New York, ripping the ball off the rim, being a playmaker, bringing the ball up in transition – you know, throwing mm-hmm. seven, eight assists a game on some some nights, being a triple-double threat. All of a sudden, if you got two very ball-dominant guys and you're trying to keep R.J. Barrett, who's developing as a slasher and a driver in the half court, like, it makes sense they'd be more willing to, to or, or more eager to even look to move him. And in a scenario where there is something that worked out with Russ and the Lakers, where they got picks back for getting off his long-term salary for an expiring deal in Russ, they could just buy out. That makes sense to me. I haven't heard it, but yeah. it definitely all that does make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course. Um, thank you for uh, taking your time to answer my questions. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Fellow Jake, how we doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for uh, doing all this. Uh, great yeah. name, by the way. Um, yeah. I mean, Knicks fans, obviously uh, well represented in here. Uh, I am, of course, a Knicks fan as well. Um, I just wanted to maybe piggyback and take it a, a little bit of a off the route of what the last caller just mentioned. Um, I kind of see that, you know, there is obviously points with like moving off of Julius, freeing up OB, letting the team run more of like a modern offense and, and get out in space and everything like that. But if you're trading Derrick Rose for the salary purposes to Utah and then you're looking to kind of like move off of Julius to, you know, get an expiring contract in Russ or what have you. Like, you, I feel like you still need kind of a vet presence. And if we're trading all those guys and you've lost Taj Gibson, like, I think that's still pretty important. Not enough to, like, sacrifice, you know, young guys playing time or anything like that. But, I mean, knowing Tibbs and the way he approaches it, like, he's going to want vets as well. Not to say Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson aren't vets, but, like, kind of need an, a, another voice in there. So I don't know. It just might be interesting to see them move off of Rose, Randall, and potentially Fournier and kind of have an extremely young team. Um, yeah, it would be was, interesting. Yeah, I don't I mean, know if that was – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Four, I mean, Fournier has been on the trade market, you know, for a while, obviously. But I don't see all those guys getting moved. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe – I mean, it certainly could happen, but – it's going to be difficult to try to – I mean, they haven't found a spot yet for him, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they haven't spot, found a spot for Randall either. I think, you know, back at the trade deadline, it seemed like there was some stuff with Randall that could have gone other – that could have gone certain places. I don't want to say too much. Um, but then, you know, for example, Tyrese Halliburton becomes available to Indiana and DeMontis Sabonis is a king, not Julius Randall, that's all I'll say. And I'm not saying there was an opportunity for – Tyrese for Randall. I'm not saying that, but I, I believe there was talks between Sack and the Knicks for Randall at the deadline, and then once the bonus became a thing, that was no longer right. Um, okay. So, but I still don't like. Only one of them's going to Utah in this theoretical Donovan trade, and from that point, you know, 
you're going to have to find two more takers for contracts that are considered to be below value contracts. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem to be, which typically you have to attach assets to go do that for. Right. So, um, unless, you know, a team wants to give a second round pick for Evan Fournier, which I don't even know if that would get it done for the Knicks side of things. Like it's just, they got a lot of balls in the air. So yeah. Um, one of those guys I, will probably be back. Honestly, I, 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 I wouldn't mind Fournier back obviously as he's, you know, he's a decent player. He's not, you know, anything groundbreaking. He's pretty much a sieve on defense, but um, you know, his shooting off the bench could be definitely valuable. Um, my only other last point was, have you heard anything like if with this Mitchell trade, if it goes down, like any of those vets that they acquired, I don't even know if they're eligible to be traded or anybody coming back with Mitchell, um, or would it just most likely be like a one, one for seven <laughs> kind of deal? Yeah, I think it's most likely a, a one for seven kind of deal. Um, I don't believe any of those players from Minnesota and apologies if I'm getting this wrong, but it was explained to me the other day. I don't believe any of those guys can get moved until 30 days after that deal was official. Um, so that would have to maybe that maybe that is part of the delay here. Um, and there's there's things to be discussed once that can happen or what once it, people come back from vacation. I don't know, but I've been told that to look out for that to happen in the next couple of weeks. And it doesn't really sound like that's coming to a finish anytime soon. Oh, man. All right. Well, I appreciate it. You got it. Um, we're going to take a few more here. We're going to go to Joe. Um, and Kevin's the last caller I currently have in the queue. So, Kevin, I'm going to get to you, and then we're going to call it. Joe, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Jake? Doing um, well, Joe. Yeah, I was I was just wondering we're talking about. I'm a Knicks fan, too. You're getting all the Knicks fans in today, um, <laughs> all, all anticipating this move that may or may not happen. But um, you're seeing now them looking – I think they're going to get Mitchell. I think they're going to go work something out. It's going to be two players, maybe five or six picks. But do you think when they're trying to maybe move Fournier or Randall to the Lakers and acquire Westbrook and use him as a piece in a three-team to send him to Utah and maybe use one or two of the Lakers picks? In that um, deal? Sorry, there's a street cleaning truck coming by me right now. Um, hold on one second. That has never happened in the history of the show, and that's why we typically do this inside. But uh, I, I haven't heard anything on Russ to New York, like I just said before. But if he's involved in a trade with the Knicks, I don't think the Knicks are acquiring him from the Lakers to then send to Utah. I think that would be – I don't think he's getting rerouted in a three-team deal. You know what I mean? Um I don't really understand what the benefit of that would be. Like, why would the Knicks sending him out to take on two more? I guess you're saying you make a you make a rush trade now to get two more picks to send to the Jazz. Is that what you're saying? So basically, what you're doing is you're using where some of the salary you have to take on Russ, and you're getting two picks, and then you're shipping because you know Utah aren't really they want young players and a boatload of picks. They're not interested in long term salary. So yeah. would you use Westbrook and the two Lakers pick tour a salary and extra picks to go to Utah? And that's their salary and the Knicks can take yeah. something back, the extra seventeen or eighteen million between Westbrook and Spider's contract. It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting idea. I haven't heard that. Um then yeah, the Jazz would have to add more salary to match Russ's deal if I'm 
getting that correctly on, you know, salary matching stuff. Because he's at 47. I believe Mitchell's at like 34, 35. So. Yeah, there would be. The the Lakers could acquire maybe like Clarkson or somebody. Like someone goes to from Utah to the Lakers. And then the Knicks maybe take Bogdanovich. And maybe add Cam in that deal somehow to make the money work. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. I will say that. Um, I have not heard it, but it, yeah, I guess that make yeah that makes some sense. I like it, man. Should have been a GM. All right, we're gonna go to Kevin for the last call. Kevin Stag, how we doing? Hey, Jake, how, how are you? Doing, man, what's going on? Not too much. Thanks for uh, taking me as a caller. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm just. Breaking up the all the Knicks fans in a row, um, <laughs> Miami fan. Um, it seemed like from your earlier answer that you're a little bit pessimistic as to Miami's chances at either Durant at or Mitchell. Um, we have seen various reports that they're canvassing the league to get some more picks um, in order to beef up their package. Um, would you say that? it's a very minimal chance at this point, or would you say they're still in the running for both Mitchell and KD? Yeah. Unless Miami puts Bam on the table, which doesn't sound like they're going to do. Um, I I really don't think they're going to be, be get. And with Donovan, I just don't, I don't see the heat being able to outbid New York for everything we just talked about um, with Joe. And we've talked about previously, um, I mean, the Russ, the Russ idea is very interesting. And if that's something that even remotely – and the Knicks even had two more first-round picks to offer with an expiring contract like that, I would think that even – you know, like I was saying, it'd be wonkier to have Utah to have to add more salary to that. Um, but that'd be pretty fascinating. Uh, and then New York could probably be willing to put, you know – eight picks in and there's there's no way the Utah would would I mean if the Knicks really offered eight picks for the Don and Mitchell for my conversations there's no way the Jazz would turn that down um and I there's no way that he could match that either so even without that and the fact that New York could pretty comfortably offer six picks and still be left with five first rounders in the next seven drafts like I just that they're clearly in the driver's seat and honestly to to say something spicy I mean, a lot of people I talk to in the league are kind of just working on the assumption he's going to get there at some point. So it, it does seem to be like a matter of of when, not if, New York's going to be able to, to actually land this plane and finally get the guy they've been looking for for a while. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Um, we'll be back sometime later this week. I'm going to work on a guest. Um, but it's been fun just talking with you guys and taking questions. Uh, appreciate the support, appreciate the the feedback, appreciate the listening. Um, and if you haven't called in, but you've been tuning in, make next show your time. You give us a first call. Um, make an account. You can call. You can call in if you subscribe to the show. Um, you'll get push notifications when we're going live and all that. Um, and we'd we'd love to have you back. So thanks for tuning in today. Hope to see you Friday. Um, and hope to see you guys the week after that. Take care. Have a good weekend. Stay safe.